You're listening to Johnson and Boone Solicitors podcast exclusively on the Pod Station. Welcome everyone to episode two of the Johnson and Boone podcast. My name's Mark. With me is director Rob Boone. How are you doing, Rob? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Mark. Yourself? I'm not too bad. We should put this into some sort of time context. We are, is it? Is it week one into our lockdown it for is, the coronavirus? Yeah. Uh, so we're all slightly going stir crazy, I'm sure. But I suspect we're both, you've certainly got plenty to be getting on with. Yeah, there's plenty. Plenty of things going on at the moment uh, in the you know in the news generally and in the world of business. First episode we covered, which is now available on all the major podcast platforms, so Apple, Google, Spotify, Deezer, Stitcher. You can find it on the PodStation.co.uk as well. There's also links on the Johnson and Boone website. That's JohnsonandBoone.co.uk. So if you want to try and listen to the first episode, which was all about landlord and tenant issues and the emergency legislation that the government brought in to try and deal with the coronavirus catastrophe that has unfolded, then go and check it all out. It's it's fascinating stuff. Today we're going to be dealing with what, Rob? Today we're going to turn our attention to what's happening in the world of business as a result of what's going on. So there's plenty in the media in, in terms of you know all, all the plans that have been put in place by the government to support businesses, um, we're going to have a little chat about that, but we're also going to chat about a lot of the issues that aren't being discussed. We're a couple of weeks, on, well, we're a week on certainly from the last episode recording, so there's been a few more developments, and some of the things that we discussed in the first episode are probably going to tie in slightly, because I know it was very much landlord-tenant, but there were contract issues that we covered in the first episode. There will be knock-on effects for businesses and leases with their landlords that will will probably fall into this category as well. So there's going to be a little bit of overlap, I suspect. Yeah, there will be. Uh, I mean, m- most businesses will be affected by what's going on at the moment in in some regards. You've got businesses falling into one or two categories. I think they're either one of the businesses who have, have closed and been told to stay closed for the foreseeable, or they're the businesses that are still trading just because of the nature of whatever they do. Uh, but they'll still be concerned over the next sort of weeks and months, what um, the lockdown, um, you know, the the loss of jobs that there's been, et cetera, is, is going to do for uh, the generation of new work and ultimately their cash flow. So what effect do you think the epidemic is having on businesses now? And is it too early for us to try and get some sort of prediction of what effect it might have a bit more long term? Most of the business clients that I'm, I'm dealing with at the moment and having discussions with are they're concerned about the, first of all, the unknown. So they've got no idea how long this is going to go on for at the moment. Um, everyone keeps talking about a, a three-month window, but realistically, you know, the economic side of things is probably going to take at least six months to return to any type of status quo. Um, so they're, they're worried about, um, you know, what to do with their staff, um, for the businesses that have, have, have shut down, you know, what they should be doing with their premises, uh, there's lots and lots of issues. What sort of issues do you think the businesses are experiencing right this second? Well, the obvious impact is for the businesses who've been told that they need to just to, to shop basically for the foreseeable future. Um, they've got issues in terms of what they should be doing with their staff, their premises, 
um, any stock that has an end date. Um, they might have contractual obligations that they are worried about whether they still need to fulfill. Um, and then obviously the finances side of things. For the businesses that haven't um, necessarily been told to close, maybe they can work remotely, etc. They've got challenges in terms of, of any staff shortages because of what's going on. Um, maybe the technology side of things when people are trying to, to work remotely and all the issues that arise out of those things. We've probably gone through a, a, a few of the issues that people who may be listening to this show are all too familiar with because they're probably experiencing them. That's not what this podcast is about. It's very much about giving some tips of what they could perhaps be doing to try and alleviate these things. So uh, perhaps if we start with the businesses who've been told to close, uh, what are the first things that those businesses need to be looking at? The very first thing that all businesses should do in this instance that have been told to close down uh, is have a look at the wording of any business interruption insurance policies that they might have. Um, standard business interruption insurance will cover consequential loss of income or, or, or any additional costs that arise normally from the, the physical damage of, of buildings or contents. Some policies will be extended and the extension on those policies will include things like notifiable diseases or infectious diseases. If there are any clauses of that nature, they then need to approach the insurer and find out whether um, they're covered um, for the current coronavirus epidemic. Some of the issues that people tend to face when they're looking to try and use their policies for these situations is whether or not it meets the criteria for the loss of interruption. Do we know whether or not the government has said categorically that that is the case to force insurers to have to meet these obligations? I think the problem with those policies are that the standard policies are highly unlikely to step in and provide any cover. So if in doubt, it's a case of approach your insurance company um, or an advisor, maybe you've got a broker or someone like that, and get an interpretation of the policy directly from them. Okay, so if a business has had to close and it's got staff, what really should they be doing? In terms of the staff, um, on the 20th of March, the Chancellor announced the launch of the coronavirus job retention scheme. So this allows an, an employer the opportunity to furlough the staff, uh, which basically means you send them home, they can't do any work for you. Uh, but HMRC will then contribute up to 80% of the staff's salary uh, and it's capped at £2,500 per month. So the idea of that is that rather than the staff ending up in a redundancy situation, the business allows to effectively park the staff for a couple of months and then once business hopefully picks back up, they can bring them back in and resume. With the, um, the 80% contribution, do we know when this might actually drop in? Um, the guidance at the moment seems to say that it isn't going to be until the end of April. The employer themselves will make the payments in the first instance and then they will, will claim it back from HMRC. So the process is all businesses are, are deemed as being eligible. They will designate the affected staff as being furloughed and they'll have to obviously inform those staff. They then submit the information to HMRC uh, and this is all going to be done via um, a new portal what's being built. The problem and the delay is that the current portal that they've got 
doesn't allow them to do what they need to do um, because it isn't set up for sending money to the employer. And what sort of issues should the businesses be thinking about in terms of their premises? In relation to the the premises side of things, um, the businesses need to be mindful of any lease that's in place and the obligations under that lease. Um, It might be, and they should get advice as to whether there is um, any rent suspension or force majeure. And what does force majeure? Sorry, what does force majeure mean for those who might be unfamiliar with that term? Force majeure is a term which is often in a lease or in a, a commercial contract, and it allows a party to suspend the performance of the, their contractual obligations under that for a, a period of time because of an event which is outside of their control. So in this instance, if, if, if they can't use the premises that they're leasing because they've been told by the government they have to shut, they, they could possibly stop paying the rent is that going to be something that's legally enforceable or is this boiling down to a conversation with the landlord to see whether you can come to a mutual arrangement it's it's something that will either be built into the lease or not there's nothing in english law that allows it to be implied it it's either there or it isn't if there's a dispute then between the landlord and the tenant over this sort of an issue for a commercial premises can the landlord evict them does the preclusion to evict someone that applies to sort of domestic premises apply to commercial premises as well i think it's unclear at this moment in time but the likelihood is that there will be some protections in place what other things do you need to be thinking about if your premises is going to be left empty for a a sustained period because we don't really know how long this is going to go on for do we No, we don't. I mean, within leases, there's often specific requirements in terms of the security of the premises. Um, So if there are any specific requirements and businesses aren't going to be able to fulfil them, for example, some leases will say that there has to be uh, occupation or security 24 hours a day. Uh, That might not be the case at the moment. Uh, But more generally, it's a case of them checking things like, do the alarms work? Is the CCTV in operation? Is there anything in the premises of value that you know could be removed for the um, for the time being? Things like laptops and stuff like that that they can take away with them. Now you've already mentioned contracts in terms of a lease, but there's going to be contracts beyond, say, your premises. So there might be with service providers. What kind of things do you need to be bearing in mind to deal with those issues, or indeed, what issues might arise? Yeah, we're finding there's lots and lots of uncertainty in relation to contracts at the moment. Um, Businesses are finding themselves in situations that they have contractual obligations that they're just no longer able to fulfil. The main thing is is that they get the contract reviewed by someone nice and early. Um, Again, going back to the, the force majeure point, it could be that there's a force majeure clause within the contract that will allow them to either suspend... Um, their obligations for a while or extend the period in which they have to perform their obligations. And if there is no force majeure clause, what happens then? In certain situations, it will still be that the the contract itself is frustrated uh, because neither party is physically able to fulfil their obligations. If there's nothing in the contract at all that's been written in that assists, uh, it may still be that a party is absolved from liability Um, if performance of the contract would be illegal. So if you think at the moment, there's many businesses that have been forced to close, it would be illegal if they, at the moment, continue to trade. So they would likely be um, absolved from their liabilities under contracts at the moment. 
Now, we're talking about some legal technicalities. It's quite complex stuff. Uh, you've mentioned getting things checked over. Of course, Johnson & Boone are able to help with all of this advice. Yeah, I think the, the sooner the business gets some advice, the better. So if they think that they've got a contractual obligation that they're not going to be able to fulfil, um, they should instruct solicitors to have a look at the contract um, and maybe get involved in terms of speaking with the other party and, and see if uh, an amicable resolution can be agreed uh, before things turn sour. Much the same as with the landlord-tenant issues we discussed in the last episode. Presumably the first recommendation you would give is to try and talk to the people that are affected by these changes. Yeah, I mean, most people are aware of how serious the current situation is and it's all about reasonableness and negotiation. I think um, the courts are, if, you know, in due course, they're looking at, at contractual disputes they're going to be mindful of all of the problems that the people have had. So it's about being sensible now uh, and trying to resolve any issues uh, before any, any any later problem. And what about the businesses who are able to trade but perhaps have to do so remotely because they're not allowed to stay open for business in the same way as they perhaps would do normally? What sort of tips would you be giving to those sorts of businesses? Um, well, I mean, one of the things that we're very mindful of at the moment because it's something the legal industry are using to keep going is the issues in relation to staff working remotely. Um, if you've got a team that, that can work remotely, then obviously they should be working remotely at the moment. Uh, but you need to ensure that they are sufficiently supported. Um, they've got the correct technology in place. Um, they can access advice and supervision where needed. You also need to be mindful of data security uh, because everything's going to be taking place over the internet. And whilst the um, the computers within the offices may have all the the modern malware on them that allows um, for adequate protection, you need to make sure that's also rolled across any mobile devices or laptops that are being used at home. Check out award-winning Johnson & Boone Solicitor's unique product, Legal Guard. Ideal for businesses and individuals, Legal Guard ensures you get the legal help you need when you need it. Packages start from just £24 a month and include free expert advice, access to a library of legal documents, as well as exclusive discounts on a range of services. For more information, visit johnsonandboon.co.uk forward slash Legal Guard and quote the code THECHESH. What about with things like post uh, arriving at the office? Do we know whether or not people are able to pick it up? Who picks it up? Should it be getting redirected? I think everyone's having a different approach. What we would suggest is that where possible, the post be redirected for a short period to a staff member's house. Um, They should be given sufficient technology to then be able to scan the post in and email it securely to um, whoever within the business needs to have sight of it. One of the other issues that businesses who perhaps are able to trade but not in the way that they normally might do are going to find themselves with the problem of staff and the furlough because you mentioned previously that staff, if they are furloughed, 
can't do any work whatsoever for the 80% contribution to be received. So in effect, if anyone does any work, you have to be responsible for their full salary. No, I think it is a situation whereby if staff are continuing to work, then you can't say that they're furloughed. Um, if they are furloughed, then they have to completely tools down um, and not do any work at all during that period. And how are businesses affected if they're not working remotely? So if they are, for example, uh, essential work that can be conducted outside or within the safe parameters of the social distancing, where do they fall into things like the force majeure if they're able to work but perhaps might not be receiving the same benefits that their business would if everything else was ticking over nicely? Do they kind of fall into the, the same businesses who are re working remotely? Yeah, I mean, those businesses, the effect that they are probably going to see is that in the coming months, depending upon how things sort of pan out and on how everyone's finances are, there may be less uptake for their services. Um, so they will still have a concern in, in terms of how they're going to be trading moving forward. And I think, as we said at the start, most businesses will be affected to a certain extent. Um, it, it's just a case of what their their plans are in terms of mitigating that um, and what effect it does ultimately have. So the grants um, or the grant schemes that are being rolled out are relatively straightforward. If you fall into certain categories, you are applicable for those grants. And I don't propose going through those particularly with you because you're not a financial expert. That's more for an accountant to be advising on. Um some of the other facilities that are being offered are things like loans to help people's cash flow. Where does this fall into from a legal perspective? Because there's some issues over personal guarantees being asked for. Um, is there any legal contracts that people need to be signed to get these loans? Uh, or is it just simply a case of you turn up with a cap in hand and they just put the money in there? I think what people should be doing at the moment is if they've got any concerns as to what the next sort of three or four months are going to mean for their cash flow, they should speak to their accountant now and get some advice in terms of what's out there and, and what is available. There are um, some grants for businesses, depending upon their size and where they trade from, etc. cetera, uh, and they aren't something that has to be paid back. In terms of banks, there are the coronavirus business interruption loans that have now been released. Um, there was a bit of noise I heard um, last week in terms of, you know, the how, how easy they were to apply for, etc. Um, but I have spoken to an accountant earlier this week in terms of how their clients are finding things, um, and that it does seem to be getting easier. Where do shareholders' agreements and directors' agreements fall into this? My experience has been quite a lot of businesses overlook this as being something that's required. How might these things either help or become a necessity in this sort of situation? In terms of lenders, I mean, it isn't necessarily a requirement for the um, coronavirus business interruption loans, as far as I'm aware. But many lenders won't lend to limited companies unless there are shareholders agreements in place. Um, so if, for example, you go into some of the lenders that require that, you would have to put that in place before you could apply or the, the money would only be released at the end as a requirement that won't be in place at that point. 
And if you're going for private investment, you might have other business people, contacts that you know, or family or friends who you might want to approach to get the cash injection as opposed to through a financial institution. If you're doing that, I presume that would make things like a shareholders agreement if you're giving up part of the business all the more important or even a a written agreement that details the terms of the loan. Yeah, if you're going to do anything at all in terms of the shares of a company, then you'll need legal advice and you'll also need accountancy advice from um, an, an accountant with sufficient experience to be able to tell you, for example, what tax consequences would would follow as a result. And what about bankruptcy and insolvency? I'm sure I've heard or read it seems that there's going to be a relaxing of the insolvency rules that perhaps hold directors responsible for trading during a period when they are insolvent. Do you think there's going to be a leniency on businesses if, say, statutory demands are being issued by people during this time for money that's been owed as a result of a cash flow problem? Yeah, the clear guidance from the government at the moment is that if at all possible, they don't want any business to go under as a result of what's happening at the moment. So I think there will be um, a relaxation in terms of enforcement. But it might be that because the court themselves have slowed down, um, there's going to be less judgments in the coming months anyway. Uh, The way in which the court are dealing with things at the moment is entirely remotely. Um, The court system isn't necessarily set up in a way where the normal volume of hearings can be dealt with by telephone. So unless a hearing is deemed to be urgent, uh, it's being vacated and relisted, and mostly urgent hearings are being heard. So I think there'll be a slowing down in terms of judgments that are obtained against businesses in the coming months, and it's probably going to be the end of this year before that catches back up. So that should hopefully give a bit of breathing space. So um, if you're owed money uh, as under the terms of a contract, you can do two things. You can obviously issue a statutory demand and you might ultimately get the costs of that back normally. And or alternatively, you can submit what's called a letter of claim, which is a, a letter setting out what you want and what your proposed suggestions are for how you want to move it forward as a, as a dispute. I, I mean, is there a preference to which option people should be taking Um, And do you think there's any detrimental effects that you might suffer if you decide to go down the litigation route that you perhaps might not otherwise face? It doesn't seem at the moment as though any rules are going to change in terms of what your options are. But I think the courts are going to expect the parties to to properly negotiate matters before they turn to litigation. Uh, I think they're going to expect the parties to be mindful of the current situation and the effects that there's been. Uh, and I think overall reasonableness is going to be required in sort of civil litigation, which it then becomes the court have always been mindful for the reasonableness of parties. And if the court later thinks that you haven't been reasonable, then the sanction would be costs. And at what stage do you think a letter of claim is suitable if you are struggling to reach an agreement with somebody? I mean, in terms of a letter of claim, as as soon as you think that you've reached a situation whereby the communications have broken down, there's nothing wrong with setting out your stall in a letter of claim. 
but it isn't necessarily, you know, that a letter of claim is 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 one step followed then by litigation. What I'd suggest is that if, if a party has a contractual dispute in the next sort of weeks, months, um, they seek legal advice before they do anything. And it might be the, the, the legal advice and the, the stepping in of a solicitor will defuse the situation as opposed to sort of pushing it t- towards any litigation. The whole coronavirus situation is a constantly evolving beast. At this particular moment, we're on lockdown. Uh, it gets reviewed after three weeks, at which point most people are suspecting it's going to be extended for at least another three weeks. There's even a rumour that in total it might well be 12 weeks slash three months before we're actually allowed from lockdown and there's even a suggestion that it might be social distancing rules are in place up until October which you're talking a six month period then the government steps are obviously trying to mitigate the detriment that it's going to be causing to businesses but I presume those steps are only going to be able to go so far how do you think this is going to pan out In terms of all the things that the government are putting in place, and let's be honest, there is an unprecedented catalogue of things that they have put in place. So I think most people can see that they are doing their best. Uh, Most of those things are in place for three months initially, and they will, if needs be, be extended. I think most businesses need to be planning sort of six, maybe nine months ahead. Um, When we come out to the other side of this, it might be that, you know, we've got a new type of normality for a period. Um, you, you, you mentioned there in terms of social distance and maybe going on until October. Um, the thing is, no one really knows at the moment. So I think businesses need to be looking at their, their current operations. They need to be working out how they are going to trade at this moment in time, maybe turning more towards their technologies and relying upon their workers being remote. Uh, they need to, to look at their marketing efforts and you know see whether they need to be moved online as opposed to any offline marks and that they're doing. It's just a time of change, and I think the businesses that survive will be the businesses that make every effort to adapt. So far, we've, we've looked at things from a, a rather depressing viewpoint. Of course, that's not necessarily the case because there are plenty of opportunities out there for businesses, new businesses even. If people are seeing an opportunity at this moment in time, there's plenty of opportunities out there for um, there are new needs. If you are looking to set up a business now, what kind of things do they need to be thinking about? What kind of things do they need to be coming to you with to try and get this set up now? Yeah, I mean, you're right, it is an all doom and gloom. There are going to be new opportunities and there's going to be new opportunities both for existing businesses who already provide these services and will have a, a, a greater target market to go after and also there'll be opportunities for new businesses. If you're setting up a new business, then the same applies in, in this climate as applies in any other. They need to make sure they get the structure right at the start. Um, they also need to take some marketing advice because we're in a very unique situation here in terms of um, how they will get their message out there. Uh, but in terms of from a legal point of view, um, it's things like partnership agreements, shareholders agreements and terms of business. Uh, they're the things that they need to start with. 
and existing businesses. So you're sitting at home feeling frustrated. You can't really do anything, but you can be doing it. What what kind of health checks are worth carrying out on your existing business that, again, would help shore things up either for, God forbid, other eventualities like this or to enable them to hit the ground running in a, in a stronger, uh, more secure sense? Yeah, this is a time when lots of business owners, um, shareholders, directors are going to have a bit of downtime. They can spend that time by looking at their business structure. They can look at the contracts that they have both um, with their employees, with um, their, their contractors. Um, they can adapt any terms and conditions. If they haven't got any, then they could get some drafted. It might be now's the time to put in place the shareholders agreement that they've been intending to put in place since the start. If, if businesses don't know what they need, then um, we can provide a over-the-phone business health check uh, in which we spend sort of 30 minutes with a business um, asking them different questions about what they have in place, what they do, how they trade. And then off the back of it, we can make a list of recommendations if there's any recommendations to be made. And I guess quite often people assume everything will be okay when the sun is shining. These are the sorts of situations, I guess, where it all becomes very evident of why you want terms of business in place. So there is something to refer back to. The main thing that terms of business do is they provide certainty. So when you're given terms and conditions over to someone, it creates a legal relation between you and them, but it also governs how that legal relation is going to work. So there's no mismatched expectations. Uh, and there's also a reference point that they can come back to, like you say, in times like this. I mean, I don't think anybody could have guessed six months ago, nine months ago, that this was going to that this was going to take place. Um, but like we mentioned earlier on, things like force majeure clauses, are they built in? If they are built in, are they worded correctly? Um, all of those questions are now being asked. If people need to get in contact with you guys in order to get the business health check or just some other general advice, how can they get in contact? Despite our staff working remotely, we um, are still able to give advice over the phone. So they can contact us still on the office number 0151-637-2034. They can still email us on info at johnsonandburn.co.uk. Uh, or they can message us on any of our social media platforms. And they can also download our mobile app. And once they've got that on the phone, uh, they can book an appointment straight into the diary of any of our solicitors by selecting what type of uh, area of law it is and then selecting which solicitor's diary they'd like to see. Fantastic. All right, Rob, well, uh, that's fantastic. I think uh, we've covered as much as we possibly can at this juncture if you want to keep up to date with all of this information, you can check out the social media pages of Johnson & Boone. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. It's at Johnson & Boone. You can throw in some comments on there. We'd love to hear some questions, some feedback. Uh, we're keen to hear topics that you might specifically want to get addressed. Uh, we've got quite a few other areas that we're going to cover in a more overarching manner but if you would like us to specifically focus in on a particular topic, then just let us know, um, either on social media or using the email address that Rob gave before. You can catch the show on all the major podcast platforms. So if you do want to go back and listen to the first episode, which I highly recommend, then you can catch it on Apple, Google, Deezer, Stitcher, 
um, Spotify. The shows are going to be coming. We're going to try and aim to get the shows out every week. Is that right, Rob? Yeah, we're going to do a show every week. Uh, and like you say, if anyone has got any specific requests in terms of things that they'd like us to talk about, then we're happy to set a show up uh, around those requests. And what topic are we going to be doing next? Well, we spoke today quite generally in terms of, of businesses and, and contracts and the problems that they're going to face. What we're going to focus on in the next one is the drafting of those documents, what should be in them and, and why it should be there. So it's not too late, guys, to get it in place. If you if you don't have one, get you can get one done and the next episode will give you a good idea as to why. If you already have one, the next episode will give you an idea of what might be missing from those important documents. And if you do have one and you're perfectly happy, it might still just bring up a couple of questions you might want answering. Absolutely. So, fantastic. Well, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for helping, Rob. It's, uh, it's fascinating hearing the answer to these questions. I hope you enjoyed the show, guys. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Get social at Johnson & Boone on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Check out all our shows exclusively on thepodstation.co.uk. 